Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in Xamarin and .NET MAUI development, including .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup, and today we have another Xamarin developer story, Screen Media. And I'm joined by Gordon Langford and Colin Banks from Screen Media and Alex Blunt from Microsoft's Modern App Customer Advisory Team. Hey, Gordon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Matt. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for having us on. Um, my name is Gordon Langford. I'm the mobile director at Screen Media. Uh, I've been working in mobile now for, for many years, going right back to uh, J2ME uh, apps that, that we used to build through the, the smartphone revolution. Uh, and I've been working with uh, Xamarin for about nine years now. All right. And then, Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what Screen Media does? Hi, Matt. My name's Colin. I'm Technical Projects Director at Screen Media. Uh, I work really closely with our mobile development team across a range of different projects and uh, looking after account management, project management, and the overall delivery of projects, uh, working very closely with with Gordon from the, the technical side. Screen Media are Scotland's largest independent UX, web, and mobile innovation practice. We have a team of around about 60 specialists who work across the entire breadth of projects from project planning, requirements discovery, user experience design, graphical user interface design, development, testing and support. And we specialise in delivering end-to-end solutions across web, mobile and cloud development and have expert teams in a range of supporting technologies, including Azure and Xamarin. All right. Yeah. So today's a little bit different of a podcast in that we're not going to be talking about just one app. We're going to be talking about a couple of different apps that Screen Media has helped customers put together. And speaking of folks that help customers put apps together, we have Alex Blount from Microsoft's Modern App Customer Advisory Team. Now, obviously, that team is not into the whole brevity thing when coming up with names. But Alex, tell us a little, about you. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and what your team does. Uh, yes, so um, I've had the pleasure of being on the podcast before, so thank you for, for having me back again. Uh, Alex Blount, Principal Software Engineer Manager on the Customer Advisory Team uh, for Modern Client Applications. Uh, and yeah, we uh, we kind of go out, uh, work with our customers, help them be successful with their, with their client applications, um, trying to learn as much about how they're using our products as possible, um, Visual Studio, .NET, Xamarin, and soon to be .NET MAUI, uh, so we can hopefully kind of take that information take those learnings and uh and bring them back into our product teams and, and help make the product better for everyone um so that's what that's what my team does great and i want to thank everybody for joining me on this podcast because we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about a couple different apps and screen media has been building xamarin app for like nine years so we get to talk a little bit about their experience and how they moved forward with that and, and through the journey so gordon actually i want to start out and asking about that you've been building Xamarin apps for nine years. Tell me just a little bit about your thoughts of the early days of the <laughs> the prehistoric time before Xamarin forms. What, what 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 was building a Xamarin app nine years ago like? Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, an interesting experience. Um, I think our team came from uh, we were all sort of native mobile uh, developers, but we had a we actually had a big um, .NET contingent uh, in in the company as well. Um, and I guess it was it was partly that decision that that helped push us towards picking up Xamarin. Um, but yeah, I mean there was certainly some some uh, some hurdles to jump through. But I think because we had um, uh, both the, the sort of C sharp .NET experience and the native uh, iOS and Android experience, 
Um, we were actually able to get hit the ground running, you know, pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, and, and probably partly uh, uh, the reason for that is that we we actually got involved with uh, Stuart Lodge, who uh, was a he's a great character in the industry. Who was actually the author of uh, MVVM Cross, um, who really helped us, you know, kick that off and, and get up and running. I really miss uh, Stuart Lodge doing presentations. He used to be absolutely awesome doing his MVVM Cross presentations. <laughs> Is N plus one. Video. Yeah, exactly. Uh, still worth a watch today. Def- definitely. <laughs> and that's actually how I learned MVVM Cross way long time ago. Is uh, yeah, those N plus ones. I totally forgot about those, Alex. Yeah. All right. And all right. So let's now jump back into um, a couple apps that that Screen Media that you produce. Uh, and so before the podcast, Gordon, you were telling me a little bit about the Honeywell app that you've helped with now for like several years so give me a quick overview of what the honeywell app is what it does and how you built it and the, i guess the whole whole thing here yeah um so we actually started working with with honeywell when they came to us to help redesign a new thermostat that they were creating uh, which is it was going to be the, the ui uh, and ux of that of that thermostat on the wall um and and quite quickly after that, um, it Nest came out with their with their equivalent, and obviously there was an app that drove that. Uh, so Honeywell got in touch with us, um, who happened to be we were based in Glasgow, uh, and, and Honeywell's one of their, their main offices was actually just a few miles away. So they they got in touch with us and said, you know, we need to we need to get an app out there. We need a five star experience. Um, it needs to be cross platform. Um, and at that point, you know, we've been looking at lots of different solutions. Uh, we we had previously looked at, at Mono as a solution, um, and then obviously, you know, Xamarin productized. I guess you know all of that, um, and it was really the only only real thing we could see that would allow us to be uh, allow us to be able to build, um, you know, the design and quality of the apps that Honeywell were looking for, and, and what our company was was known for creating. Um, you know, none of the, the sort of web hybrid options or solutions would actually give us that fidelity. Uh, I mean, I remember going to going to an MD, you know, with a number of things and saying, "Here's an option." And his general question was, "You know, is it going to be as good as that last native app that we built?" Um, and usually the answer was no. Uh, but then when we we brought Xamarin as an option, and um, that was when we were able to actually say, "Yes, you know, we can build." That kind of fidelity, um, you know, but get you know get the economies of, of building something in cross-platform. Um, so that was obviously uh, building an app in Xamarin Native. There was no Xamarin Forms um, at the time, and as I mentioned, you know, uh, we worked closely with uh, Stuart Lodge at the start, so we used a Xamarin Native app um, with the MVVM Cross uh, framework uh, in that, um, and you know we. Honeywell had this this vision that they wanted this five star app, um, and so we worked together with our design team and our development team, um, and you know we managed to pull that that first app together in about uh, six months, um, and that you know it was launched alongside the, the their uh, Evo Home product um, in Europe, uh, and it was you know it, it was it was a great success. You know there was nothing that we were presented uh, that we didn't manage to actually achieve, you know, from a, from a UI perspective, from a, a sort of cost-saving architecture perspective. Um, and it actually, uh, the, core, the core code that we had in, in .NET wasn't just used for our app. 
Um, we used it for the iOS, the iOS app, the Android app. We also used it for uh, the web portal backend. And then there was a number of other add-ons that we used it for. We ended up building, a, I think we had an Apple Watch prototype and we also had a Google Glass prototype, um, which was all built off the back of, of, of this one sort of, you know, single core code base. Um, so it was really a, a proper cross-platform uh, endeavor that we were able to achieve with Xamarin. Um, with that, we at the time uh, I think uh, we still had Xamarin Evolve, and we actually were nominated for a for a, a Zami Award. Uh, we didn't win it, unfortunately. I think we were beaten by the the Dutch Tax Council, which was a, a tough one to take. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know what we learned while we were doing all of that was how to build you know really robust uh, Xamarin applications, you know, with a really good architecture behind it, and we've taken that architecture. And you know, refined it, you know, as we've gone. And that that app that we built then is is, is still being used now, you know. And that was about nine years ago. And um, we still support the app. Um, we actually also now support um, its native cousin, which was the the TCC North American uh, equivalent of it, which is probably uh, one of the few times um, that this will ever happen. But there was uh, basically an app with very similar functionality being built. In, in the US, uh, being built natively in iOS and Android, and we were building a Xamarin app alongside it um, for the same platforms. Um, and I certainly think we, you know, we had some huge time efficiencies um, over and above that. So um, all in all, it was a, you know, it was a huge success. Gordon, have you have you kind of you, you mentioned that that app's been now live for nine years and you've been supporting that? What what have you had to do to kind of ensure that you're keeping it up to date and you're you're kind of using the um, not necessarily the latest and greatest, but you're using everything that you can to to ensure that you're getting the best out of that for your customer? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely there's been some um, sort of points where we've had to upgrade certain libraries. To be honest, Xamarin hasn't really caused us that many issues. You know, Xamarin with their ability to, you know, iOS and Android updates, you know, they've kept pace with that really, really well. Some of the challenges we've had have actually been more around MVVM Cross, you know, and, and probably the, uh, you know, the other the other frameworks that we were using and um, that we've got to a point with MVVM cross where we really wanted to jump to the next version, but the way the app, you know, the way the app was built, that was actually going to be quite difficult to do. So we've had, a, we've had a number of discussions about, you know, whether we should, we should sort of restart it and, you know, and build it again. And, and there's some, still some of those discussions going on at the moment. Um, but I would say that, you know, as far as Xamarin goes, we, we've been able to fairly easily keep that updated. Um, it's been more the, uh, the the breaking changes in the frameworks underneath the hood uh, that have actually caused us more problems. All right. So I'm going to step back just for one second. And uh, Alex, do you know who was in charge of the Xamis back in 2014 that the Dutch tax <laughs> app beat out this great Honeywell app. I, 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 I'm kind of biased though, as I actually worked with the Dutch tax office as well. So <laughs> you shouldn't ask me. <laughs> so it was your vote, Alex. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, so, I mean, there were there were some other fantastic entries. Um, well, I think there was. A, I'm sure there was a there was a, a sort of AR entry, uh, which we were we thought would potentially win it. But yeah, we were a bit shocked that the Dutch tax office won it. 
I'm I'm surprised that Chris Hardy didn't kind of push that through hearing that there was a Google Glass element um at some point. I think he would have gone crazy for that. So Yeah, I mean that was an interesting demo when we were standing saying uh, you know, turn my heating up. Because it was also obviously a voice interaction. Um and I think then we realized that maybe that Google Glass wasn't the, the next the next uh platform for, for you know, communicating with your heating. Obviously, things have moved on now, and voice is a, a standard interface for a lot of things. But um, uh, at the time, it wasn't quite ready, especially with a Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Although now it'd be kind of interesting to see. Um, you can get different tints of shade. You know, when uh, you're looking at a room that's hot, if you had different sensors in the room, and the, the room could actually be yeah. orange versus bluer for cold. I mean, there we go. I want to talk about another app then yeah, that we talked about before, and it's for a retail company called Next, which is not in the States at all. Um, can, so I guess, can you fill me in on what Next does and what the app does for Next? Um, yes. So Next is a, I mean, a massive uh, UK retailer. Um, they, they do clothing, they do uh, household goods, um, various other, other things, probably anything you can think of, you know, Next, Next will sell it. I guess they're, they're best known for the really high quality uh, clothing. Um, uh, certainly, that's there's most of the shops in the high street are sort of clothing shops, um, but they have uh, uh, they obviously have lots of uh, logistics uh, they need to take care of with regard to stock, um, and we were we were asked that they were looking to to create an app to manage all of their in store. Um, products movement uh, and we were uh, we were asked to come down and, and help with their team who had been on I think they'd been on a relatively short uh, Xamarin course um, but in general most of them had no had no mobile experience at all um, so we were asked to come in and help them uh, build what they told us at the time was going to be around I think about 70 apps um, and we, we were like fantastic you know this will be great um, was, but we had to obviously get the team up to speed as well. Um, as it turned out, I think we managed to sort of whittle this down to about 50 odd apps just by you know taking common components and being able to put them together. Um, but what we what we had to do first was obviously get the team up to speed, you know, understanding you know what, what mobile is all about, um, but then also being able to build a, a component library. That would allow us to build these these fifty apps within the time frame that we had, um, and to do that, we decided to use uh, Xamarin Forms. Um, so we, we had a uh, Xamarin Forms, and we combined that with a, the framework Prism um, to, to build those. And really, what we did was we broke it down into um, plugins that we could use that were functional plugins, uh, and then. We also uh, had UI components as well um, that we created, um, and and they end up we managed to get these these fifty applications. Now these applications weren't uh, they were sort of micro applications. Um, so there was one main menu which sort of managed uh, the user's authentication, um, and then there was sort of uh, the rest were sort of what you might call worker or functional type apps which we could move in and out of um, uh, on a on an Android device. Um, they they partner with uh, Zebra, who are a a big hardware provider. They provide sort of. Uh, Barcode scanners. So yeah, they have um, robust devices uh, that have uh, barcode scanners built into them, so that people can uh, use them in store. Um, 
So one of the one of the more fun things that we did with that was we built an integration with uh, Zebra's RFID reader, um, which was a a massive win um, for those guys because it was. Uh, this was used for a stock take task, which used to take a whole number of people um, a whole day uh, to achieve. And now they had this uh, Xamarin app uh, with an RFID reader hooked onto it. Um, they could essentially they could walk into the warehouse and just and wave it around and do stock take in, in minutes as opposed to hours. Um, so that was a, that was a real win for for Next. Um, and they still they still have those apps today and they still maintain them uh, today. Gordon, can you can you talk a bit about that that integration that you built? It sounds like you had to do um, some integration with kind of native hardware. What was the process that you went through to to do that for the? And I'm going to say Zebra, just uh, as I live in America now, so I, I, I I've fallen into that tra- that trap. Um, so how did you how did you build that 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 Zebra integration? Um, Zebra. Uh... Were actually they were really quite helpful um, with that. Um, most most hardware integrations that we come across usually had a uh, they, they had a native SDK, um, and, and normally we would have to bind with that. But we actually uh, Next and Zebra had a a fairly good relationship, so we were actually able to work with them to get them to create a, a Zebra SDK for us um, that would work with their RFID reader. Um, so. It wasn't actually as difficult as some other things that I'll probably come on to speak speak about uh, a bit later on um, to, to integrate this. It was actually just great having a direct line of communication uh, with them uh, to help us do that. So we put that together and hooked up with the with the next retail in store stock take apps, um, and then you obviously had to manage the the Bluetooth communication um, with that and the, the RFID uh, wand, um, and that could do two things. As I said, it could do a a stock take so it could sweep around and pick up all the the, the RFID tags that were on the clothing um, but it could also almost act like a, like a metal detector for clothes so if you knew that you had to find a specific item of clothing you could actually walk around with the with the RFID wand and, and the device um, and track down the bit of clothing um, that, you, that you were looking for um, which again obviously was a huge cost saving for them um, and a real you know, a, a real performance boost um, for the for the stock management team. I have to say, I'm I'm imagining kind of uh, the people that work for Next kind of dressed like Harry Potter and like waving the device around like a wand, <laughs> and kind of snaking incantations as they do it. I mean, the testing of it was was great fun. You know, we got down to the warehouse and um, it, it, we're just kind of you know waving this thing around, and I think everyone was just a bit kind of blown away by the fact that this was picking things up so quickly. Um, you know, I think they were almost sort of going, "It's a promotion in this for me." Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it was uh, no, it was it was it was good fun. So, how does the device itself talk back to the phone? So it has an RFID communication to the tag. And then what's the communication mechanism back to the phone? Is that like over Bluetooth or is that RFID as well or... Uh, no, that was that was a Bluetooth connection. Okay. So uh, we were just connecting through the um, the libraries, the Bluetooth libraries. Okay. Uh, and, that was, and that was all taken care of for you by the uh, SDK from Zebra. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was all okay. done by them. I think we may have used some of the what would now be the Xamarin Essentials, uh, James Montemagano's libraries um, back then. I think we, we probably picked up some of those. Um, but I think Zebra certainly helped integrate a lot of that stuff. 
So okay. yeah, they were they were they were great to work with. It's uh, it's, it's quite unusual to get you know a vendor who's who was so keen to kind of be involved in that. So it was good. And I've I've just I've just found there's a link um, that we can drop into the uh, the show notes as well that um, that that Zebra actually offer a, a demo app. Uh, for for the Xamarin SDK, so uh, people can just go and download that if they have a device to test it on. So that's pretty awesome that they have it out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. And it's yeah, I'm clicking on it right now. It looks it looks cool, and uh, it's always magical to see one of those things that work. I shouldn't say actually work, but when it works, it's so neat. So, Gordon, there's another thing I wanted to ask you about. So, when you started your engagement with Next, you said that um, a lot of the effort went around um, showing .NET developers what mobile development all entails. And so that's a question that I get asked a lot, that Alice gets asked a lot, is how do I get into mobile development? How do I understand it? And so what was your answer to that? I mean, what would you say that somebody who's brand new, they know .NET inside and out, but they want to start doing mobile. How do you you learn mobile? I mean, I think that one of the good things about Xamarin Forms is you can probably get by to a degree without knowing um a huge amount probably when it comes to the point possibly when you want to publish you know you probably need to start you know really looking up you know how how do we publish these applications um but i I think you know from from that point of view a lot of the stuff that that you guys work on you know actually takes away a lot of that pain um as i said you know the xamarin essentials libraries you know uh, not not really needing to hugely understand uh, what's going on under the hood of them it means you can get by for probably 90% uh, you know of the things that you want to do in apps but i think that one of the things that we've always done you know certainly as a as a general policy in our team um uh, and the mobile team that is is we try and have at least some people with a little bit of native experience um because i think that that's one of the things that can take you from you know, build sort of good Xamarin Forms app to sort of great Xamarin Forms apps because it just you just have that deeper understanding. Um, and if you do need to do something, you know, a bit more specialized, um, or even if you you know you want to start creating custom renderers, it's always just good to understand how those APIs and SDKs work, you know, at a native level. Um, but I mean, there is also there's great documentation um, from Xamarin as well. I mean, there's there's quite often <laughs> better documentation from from Xamarin than you might find in some some of the native stuff uh, that, you're, that you're trying to do. So I would always try and point people in the direction of that first. Nice, and we always take <laughs> we I love documentation. We always talk about it all the time, and so yeah, we always take pride in uh, our documentation. So Alex, how do you answer that question though when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I know .NET. And how do I learn mobile um, or not even how do I do I know, do I need to know mobile development to make a mobile app? Um, yeah, I think I think that answer has changed for for me and um, and kind of my, my team when we're interacting with customers. Um, I think a few years back, I would definitely go with the the answer that, hey, you you can get by as as kind of gordon says with with just knowing with just knowing .net but having somebody on the team who has that that deeper level of understanding of the native platforms um as we now uh, are in kind of xamarin forms 5 and as we move into .net maui i think that is changing and if you are a .net developer then you are a mobile developer you are a desktop developer you're a web developer um, and I honestly think that the skills that you have built up 
um, through through learning.net transfer everywhere. Um, and there isn't really that that um, that need um, unless you're doing very something very, very specific that needs to be able to uh, kind of jump down into into the specific iOS and, and Android APIs and kind of really understand those that that need has has gone away uh, to to um, to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, my answer is if you're a, if you're a .NET developer, you can, you can pretty much do, do anything. I like that answer, (laughs) but Gordon, you did touch on one thing and you said custom renderers. And I know that's something that that's, you know what, did both your and Alex's answer when I asked about, you know, how do you become a mobile developer? Um, Gordon, you mentioned that you eventually you do have to create a custom render and you do have to know the platforms. And now, Alex, as we moved along, with uh, as, as uh, Xamarin has evolved, I found myself writing less and less custom renderers, which is great. However, you still do have to write custom renderers every now and then. And so, Gordon, I, when you guys were writing your forms apps, um, I know you mentioned that you did have to use custom renderers every now and then. So... What did you think about it? I know this is a challenge here. So, I mean, it was, it was a difficulty. So, yeah, give me, why don't you um, explain to me a little bit about what, what you faced, why you had to write the custom renderer? Uh, no, I mean, I, I personally always found it a painful experience. Um, I just kind of hope that I didn't have to do that, especially when I was in Xamarin Forms land. Um, you know, I think that uh, the more we can get rid of those kind of things, the better. And the more that you're going to get people who can just pick this stuff up and run with it. Um, it, 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 In some respects, that was almost sometimes why we were brought into teams, because they would start out with with Xamarin Forms um, and they'd be going, great, we've got here. They'd get 50% of the way and then they'd hit something that they just didn't know how to do. Um, And quite often we might get that phone call saying, can you guys come and help us? Um, You know, and then we'd start doing that kind of stuff and, 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 and it was fine for us to do those because we had the understanding of going into the, the native platform. Um, but then if we left and left those guys to it and then they hit the problem again, they were back to where they were. So I think, you know, from your question before about uh, what did you need? And I think definitely as soon as you, people were hitting those problems, they were having to go into that area that was just a, it was a scary territory for people who didn't have you know, native understanding. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that was, that was something that, uh, if that if that problem could be addressed and fixed, um, uh, you know, it would just, it, <laughs> one, we probably wouldn't get a phone calls often, uh, which might be a bad thing for us. But, um, you, you know, secondly, I just think it, it allows people to just get on with the features they want to build, you know, not, not fighting with the technology um, that they have. And, you know, and even with some of the experience we have, you know, we've had challenges around that as well. I think I mentioned the um, Xamarin Forms tennis uh, we we get into, uh, you know, and some things were were fairly straightforward. Then other things, you know, even even with the custom renders, we might still end up bouncing back and forth. And funnily enough, quite often that was if we were having to do UWP, uh, you know, as well, then we would hit more problems with with that. So if that pain can be taken away, that's a huge win uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, when you were talking to me even before the podcast, Gordon, and you explained your, the Xamarin Forms tennis where it works here on iOS, but it didn't work here on Android. So you had to run over there to fix it. I was thinking to myself, when I when I developed apps, I'd be like, oh, I'm just taking my ball and going home. It's just going to work on iOS and nothing else is shipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you know, custom renderers was the uh, – it's like a blessing and a curse 
with uh, forums. I mean, it's the they, they are difficult, but it's the way that um, Xamarin forums could do anything. It could do everything, and yeah, so yeah. It, it's 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 a give and take. But as Alex mentioned, we're not going to need that anymore, or less and less. So. Yeah, um, it's great to see that we've kind of evolved past that. And I think, Matt, one of the one of the things that we've seen as well is that we need to, as a team, we we have to jump into custom renderers less and less. And when we want to do things that are platform specific, the things that we have in place that the the team has given us, like effects, like behaviors, like platform specifics those things do the job um, just as well. And you can do it in like two or three lines of code as opposed to having to override the whole thing. So I think we have so many options now in Xamarin Forms that allow you to to just dip in and touch the pieces that you really need to. Um, that, that again, custom renderers are just becoming less and less needed. So I think it, it's great that we're kind of moving down that path. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like Everything's kind of just getting abstracted up a level, so to speak, and... And it's easier to work with too when it's abstracted that to the forms level. Cool. And so, Gordon, you mentioned there was a plugin library with the whole next um, project. Can you explain what, what what was all involved with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, really, that was that was a real exercise. We did a lot of uh, workflow planning um, for that, and we also we also did the UX and UI design um, for all the the next apps. So we kind of took. Uh, what used to be sitting on sort of one inch by one inch square screens, um, and put them into obviously you know a, a you know a nicely sized uh, Android device, um, and then we mapped it all out, all the different flows, uh, and then we basically picked out the common elements. So there was things like um, you know the barcode scanner. If the barcode scanner failed, there would be a a sort of custom screen that would pop up to let you enter the actual barcodes. Um, there was like loaders, um, different form types and different uh, input types. And we basically broke all that down into different components that basically let people pick up. Uh, we, we had this this big long list, as I said, there was a list of about 50 apps and the developers were just going in and going, okay, I'm going to do the, the stock in app. Um, and another developer would be picking up the, the stock out app, uh, for example. Um, and then they would just they'd be able to go to this, look at the flow, uh, pick out the components that they needed, and then just just throw them together. Um, and uh, we, we actually had those guys, but we also we had a couple of our developers working on that as well. And I remember them just sitting talking, you know, just about how fast they were able to put these things together because of this this component library that we that we created. Um, you know, and I think that that was. Uh, it was a really good exercise, you know, just in using plugins and components, uh, you know, and getting reuse right. Um, and, I, and I think that also allowed when we left Next to carry on building, you know, anything new that came out. Because all they really had to do is go, well, what does this thing need? And just pull all the components in. So it massively sped up their, their development lifecycle. So, Gordon, how did you share those those plugins? How, how did you make them available to developers so they could just kind of pull them in so so easily? Uh, they had a they had a private NuGet feed um, with a Next, so they were just as long as you had access to that, you could just go up and um, you, you know pull whatever one you needed down. Um, uh, yeah, just the same way as we would you would build uh, you know any of your normal sort of Xamarin apps. That's awesome. So did you was it kind of like a 
um, a process in terms of whenever a new thing came along, it's like, oh, hey, we ha- we have this thing and it's going to be used across multiple places. So there's a process that they could go through to then create it as a plugin and push it to to a new get feed. Yep, yep. So I think we were, and that I suppose that was the other part of it. We were also uh, getting our guys up to speed about you know how to make plugins, um, you know, which at the time was was probably a little more involved than it, than it will be going forwards. You know, um, certainly being able to have a, a single project to create a plugin as opposed to have a project for each different platform that you required. Um, you know, would have been you know if we'd had that then, it would have been a massive time saving. Um, but but yeah, we we upskilled their team and actually building components and plugins um and then you know they, they were able to go off and create new ones as well uh, or add to the ones that they already had so they're using 50 apps five zero that, yeah. and it's internal i'd imagine so how are they how are they handling the internal distribution of those apps uh, they are using uh an mdm uh called Sotty. <laughs> Um, so they they basically push up uh, if, if any individual component or or app part uh, is upgraded, it just goes up to Sorty and then it's redistributed down to the stores. Um, that's pretty much how it works. Uh, and what what that allowed them to do because there was a talk of having just a single monolithic app and it did everything, um, but that that essentially meant that if they updated anything and any of those components changed, then, you know, they were having to just keep deploying the monolithic app, whereas they can essentially deploy, you know, if it was just something that affects stock in, then they can deploy that down and it's just a, it's a small change. And it normally doesn't affect the sort of main, the sort of main authentication or menu app that they have. Um, so just it streamlines, it streamlines that uh, upgrade process for them. And also isolates sort of functions within in-store, uh, you know, as a, as a department as well. That was my next question of how did you decide going between 50, which sounds like, I guess, essentially micro apps versus one large one. And um, um, that was that was an interesting exercise. And I remember not sure if I was totally in agreement <laughs> with it when we did it. Um, uh, but I think the fact that we wanted people to be able to work on individual, uh, we basically wanted people to be able to take away a micro app and just work on it independently um, and have the main menu app just understand that it was available. Um, there would probably be other ways that we would have done that now. Um, but I, I think back then it was almost like, well, we can completely isolate you know, these these functions that, that are apps and just let people work on them independently. That was one of the main drivers for it. It meant that they could sort of en masse get as many people as they wanted to build these, um, uh, the, each of the small apps. It also meant we ended up getting, we got involved with some of those as well. Some of the more complex ones we got involved with uh, to kind of help them help them speed that up. But it, and it just meant there was no, no real issue or crossover uh, in features. Whereas if, We'd had uh, if we'd had that all on the one, um, and then there'd been you know shared components within that, and people needed to change it. It could have been more problematic. So uh, it was really about a, I guess a parallel work stream was probably one of the main drivers for it. What does um, what does dependency management look like for that sort of thing? I'm I'm guessing that there are certain situations where kind of a new feature is updated in one app and another app depends on that. Was that a complex? thing to ensure that there's always um, kind of they're always updating them at the right times 
Um, I think there, there were some some issues with that, but because the apps were so small, um, it was it was it was fairly rare. I think when they had, uh, you know, if they had like the barcode scanner component, if that had to change, that did mean they, they had to ship quite a lot of them because most of them had that bar, barcode scanning component in it. But uh, but yeah, that was that was probably one of the few things that was that went across all of them, which would have made sense to not do it that way. Um, but I think there was a lot of them were just were pretty standalone, um, so we didn't we didn't hit too many problems. I do remember them having an issue once with uh, Sotty when they had to deploy absolutely everything to all the stores, um, and I think there was actually more of a, a, a there was a problem with the with the MDM platform being able to do that. The MDM platform could ship a massive singular app, but it didn't seem to work brilliantly with lots of small, you know, hundreds of small apps all going out to, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of stores. Um, that did cause them a problem um, at one point. But I'm, I'm sure they resolved that because I haven't had another phone call about it since. <laughs> so. Um, was there? Um, can you talk a little, just a little bit about kind of CI process? Was there any? How were how are they testing the apps? Like the dev teams testing the apps? Were they using anything like App Center or anything to to, to distribute them? Yeah. Uh, what did, what did that look like? Um, I can tell you what it looked like then and what it looks like now. <laughs> uh, they were still they were using um, the old version of TFS. Uh, and but they had, I mean, they had like a, a pipeline set up, um, and they had like uh, a gates set up, and there was there was there was a whole testing process, uh, and then they were they were using App Center for analytics, um, and they were obviously using it for deployment as well. So it would go to App Center for the test deployment. Um, and that would go through to all the testers. Um, uh, they would do that. Um, I think they did use uh, the Xamarin UI test for a while, but they ended up having to move away from that because they had a, uh, I think it was called uh, Eggplant was the system they used, which was actually a, a system that could, because they needed to also test on TILs um, and on these uh, the Zebra devices, and they had various other devices that weren't in Xamarin. So they had this uh, system that could pick up uh, just just pixels on a screen, and they could they could describe how that would be tested. So I think that the reason they ended up moving away from the, the Xamarin UI test was because they needed to do it on a sort of massive scale across everything. Um, uh, so they ended up using this other, I think it was Eggplant, uh, they, they called it. Uh, but they used Xamarin, uh, uh, sorry, they used App Center for, for everything else. All right, Colin, I got a quick question for you. Um, with the next app and all the stuff that you all did for them, what else, I mean, does screen media offer? I mean, you, you, you put together a ton of work for it next, but what else can uh, people talk with screen media about? Well, uh, we are a full stack agency. We work across a range of, of web, mobile, and, and cloud uh, solutions. Recently, uh, we've been working a lot more in terms of Xamarin consulting and, and, and onboarding for clients. And as Alex and Gordon both mentioned earlier, there's a ton of resources out there if you're wanting to get started with Xamarin. Uh, and, and many people can just pick it up with the, the resources that are available. But for many enterprise organizations, it can be quite daunting to take the jump and the leap into using Xamarin. 
And recently we've been offering uh, a, a solution that we call Jetpacks, which allows us to provide dedicated upfront training and enablement services to help organisations kickstart their Xamarin app development. And that includes Xamarin onboarding, whether that be in-person or remote training tailored to the needs of the team. We also work to allow the, uh, support the team in architecture planning, so working to best practice enterprise proven approaches uh, with the likes of, of Gordon and some of the other team members, working to help define your technical strategy and the solution architecture to help move you forward. And then once your team is, is confident that they're able to, to put that into practice, we'll also then continue to be on hand to offer regular support and guidance throughout the project delivery popping in and out, uh, as much as is required. Alongside that, we can also offer resource augmentation and, and continue to add velocity and, and experience to your, your Xamarin delivery. I love the, the, the Jetpack idea. That's, that's really something that would come in handy, like the, the, just the jump start of getting somebody up from Really, you can get somebody up from zero, or even people with the experience get them moving along faster. So yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah, we've had some great success, and as Gordon mentioned, with the the team at Next, it can be taking .NET developers uh, or or mobile developers, whatever whatever background you have, whatever skill set you, you you have coming to it, we can tailor that that solution to your needs. So, have you been asked at all about uh, .NET Maui, Gordon? Either, uh, do, you, or do you have any plans to move to Diamond Maui for any of, any of your customers or have they approached you to be asked, like, you need to move to it right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were actually, um, we've done quite a lot of work with some of the, the water boards in the UK. Um, we, built a, um, we built an app for Northumbrian Water um, and we're now talking to a, another one of the water boards. And one of their, their questions um, to us was, you know, is Xamarin Forms, you know, is it going away? We've heard there's this new .NET MAUI um, thing coming, and I think that we were sort of explaining to them that it's a, you know, it's it's an evolution, you know, of of, of what Xamarin Forms is. Xamarin Forms isn't going away, and um, this is this is a new way of of doing things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd be great to hear, uh, you know, your guys' take on that. But we're certainly being being asked about it, um, you know, and what does it mean? Uh, what does Donet Maui mean? All right, I, I'll jump in with my take, but Alex, I'm going to ask for your take first, and also tell me what can you translate from UK to US what a waterboard is? Uh, yes, a waterboard is a water company. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> it's definitely not that the the, the, um, the 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 torture mechanism that I'm sure people are thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> call it, it's called it, maybe it's not waterboard what what nwg but uh it's a waterboard yep it's okay yep. <laughs> i was just checking i hadn't said it wrong it, uh, that's definitely going to stick in in my mind when somebody asks like what are the english colloquialisms that it don't transfer over to america i'm going to remember that one now <laughs> with screen media help with torture okay <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so um, in terms of .NET Maui, the things that we're we're generally recommending is that um, starting with Xamarin Forms now is a great option. Um, we are um, 
.NET MAUI is definitely a continuation of um, of Xamarin Forms, um, effectively giving you more options of of ways you can you can develop your applications. So, um, kind of taking that abstraction um, uh, across the native um, the the native UI at a higher level. Um, so it means you can kind of swap things out and and do things like like call things like there's a, an awesome um, uh, an awesome uh, experiment out there by James. Clancy uh, called Comet, which allows you to do kind of uh, declarative UIs in C sharp. Um, so it, if you if you start your application right now with um, with Xamarin Forms, you will be able to take that application as and when um, .NET Maui is released, um, and then migrate it to uh, to .NET Maui um, relatively easily. Um, we're actually the the dev team is um, is working really hard right now and we have um, the team working on a migration assistant we currently have out there for for dotnet um, to dotnet core we have uh, the upgrade assistant which will kind of walk you through that process and that will also be um, available to use for for xamarin applications moving them to to dotnet maui right and uh, there is no i mean dotnet maui right now is out in preview so you can give it a spin right now but there is no reason to not don't hold off if you want to build an app right now. Don't hold off till that at Maui. Um, get, get get started in Xamarin Forms and on the Xamarin podcast that we put out on the second Friday every month. That we do have David Art now on there, who's uh, PMing .NET Maui and also Xamarin Forms to talk about the how far or the progress of Maui as we go along. And that's one thing that he talks about all the time is that there's no need to not go with Forms right now because there will be a nice transition over to .NET MAUI. But .NET MAUI has a ton of goodness coming with it, too. So, um, yeah, just don't hold off on your apps waiting for something. <laughs> Get going now so you can have everything ready for when it comes. Now is the time. So with, yep, now is the time. <laughs> so with all that said, um, I want to jump in now to the pick of the pod. I uh, always ended out, and I did remember to brief everybody beforehand. Actually, Alice reminded me too that we're going to have a pick of the pod. And so, with that, it can be anything that you all want. It can be a book, it can be some music, anything. And so, Alex, I'm going to start with you. What is your pick of the pod? I kind of let mine go early, so mine is um, is Comet. So. Um, over the past couple of days, James Clancy actually upgraded or, or updated Comet to work completely with .NET MAUI now. So you can uh, you can go out there, um, download his extension for VS Code, um, and do some do some awesome things with the previews of .NET MAUI, building uh, de- um, applications with declarative UI in C Sharp, uh, and it's it's absolutely amazing. So if you if you want to try that out with cool things like C Sharp pot reloading um, in uh, in VS Code, uh, go out and give that a go so did you just say i could build a xamarin app in vs code uh with comet yes wow it's like a shooting star just went across the sky (laughs) 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 all right colin what is your pick of the pod uh, well, I'm one of those uh, one of those people who recently got a lockdown puppy. Uh, so our family uh, so begged begged for years to get one, and in lockdown we decided to finally get one. So recently, I've been doing a lot of walking, and I, I feel like I've walked up and down every street in my neighbourhood, uh, meeting so many other people in the same position as me. So uh, doing a lot of uh, a lot of walking, uh, a lot of. Uh, 
talking to other dog owners. Uh, so that's my, that's what I've been up to mainly recently. That's amazing. Yeah, we had, we we got a lockdown uh, kitty, and yeah, he's the he's the best cat in the world. So, <laughs> congratulations, um, Gordon. Nice. Yours, the uh, pick of the pod. Yeah, so I, I was going to say I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ready Player One and the Ernest Klein book. I think there's, there's a movie made about it as well. But um, I'm actually reading Ready Player Two, um, and I've told my son that he can't read it until I've finished it. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm almost there. I've got a couple hours left. I've say reading, uh, listening to uh, the audiobook. Um, so yeah, really really enjoying that just now. But just. Just uh, riffing off uh, what, what what Alex was saying there about the about Comet, um, you know, I'm really excited to go and have a look at that. Uh, declarative UI is, is is the way forward, I guess, as we I think we we probably all know, um, you know, in native and, and cross platform. So yeah, uh, and the fact we can do it in Visual Studio Code is is pretty exciting as well. So I'll add those two together. Uh, Ready Player Two and uh, having a look at Comet, which will be the thing I'll do after this. <laughs> Cool. Ready Player Two. Yeah, I I, I want to read the book as well, but I can't wait. I, I never read the first one. I watched the movie, but it has me wanting to read the second book. All right. And then finally, my pick of the pod is, well, it's um the local, my local hardware store, <laughs> because I'll tell you why. Um, two nights ago, my kitchen faucet started to leak on the faucet neck and there's nothing there except for a hose, which means the faucet's done. And so I, I, I bought a new faucet and found out the connections under the sink were not standard. And, you know, kind of I'm afraid of death of water. Like I can replace electricity all day, but water does damage to everything else. And so I went down to the harbor store. You know, what do we have here? They pointed me in the right direction. I have a new kitchen faucet now. It doesn't leak. All thumbs up. There's no water damage in my house. Everybody's happy. Running water. Dry. Thank you, local hardware store people. So local hardware store, my pick of the pod. And thank you, Colin, Gordon, and Alex. This has been another great Xamarin Podcast.